ho and what do you know welcome everybody to another edition of after further review i'm your host alex hale and this episode i think a lot of people are thinking oh he's going to talk about the browns leading up to the Bengals." uh no 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 the browns don't deserve an ounce of my energy anymore um this show will no longer talk cleveland browns until they shut me up um all i will say about the browns is baker i don't know where the baker mayfield of 2018 went let alone the man who dominated at oklahoma i don't know where that man went i don't know where the man is that has his ball placement that was the best ball placement i'd seen next to pat mahomes in all my draft evaluations and everyone knows i do my freaking homework i don't know what's wrong with baker i think it's his mojo i also think there's a problem with his mechanics that no one is saying his hips are too wide which i call mitch trubisky syndrome um which is why i was the only one in america who said mitch trubisky is a bust mark it down and he's been a bust because his hips are always too wide, which throws his whole mechanics off. No one's seeing that. I'm going to be the first one to say it. His mechanics with his lower body are so far off, they need to work on it. But until the Browns can actually win a game, which I'm picking them to lose to the Bengals, I'm picking them to lose to Washington, and I'm picking them to lose to Dallas. They will start this season 0-4, and we're going to have serious tanking discussions which trust me future shows will be talking about the quarterbacks and why justin fields isn't even a top two quarterback and i'm going to tell you one reason why right now to tease you the big 10 is not a great conference to evaluate quarterbacks if you play at ohio state because there's a level of competition problem i said it we want to talk about Trey Lance and the FCS having lower level competition. Talk about the difference between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten, especially with the opt-outs. You keep talking that into existence, and when Justin Fields busts in a Browns uniform, y'all can kiss my feet, and at that time, you will be at rock bottom because your freaking Buckeye failed. Just like Denzel Ward. He's a failure too. All of them are. All of them are. Maybe except Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb. Oh, in future episode, we're going to be talking about why John Dorsey is the worst GM since 1999. I will literally die on that hill. I will die on that hill. Anyways, I don't want to waste too much of our time talking Browns because they don't deserve an ounce of time. In fact, in to steal something from Bruce Hooley, and that was two good minutes of Browns talk because they're losers. They don't deserve to be on my show. Anyways, let's talk about your Cleveland Indians, and I know a lot of people are jumping ship, but the team is still a couple games up for the last playoff spot in the American League, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they're going to lose in the playoffs you realize it's a three-game series. Literally, chaos can happen. And the bats could wake up, and the right guys get hot, and all of a sudden, oh, my God, they're winning, and you'll jump right back on. Because when they're successful, you jump on board. When they suck, 
you jump off board. But I'm not even talking to the fans today. I'm talking to the team because I'm not even mad at the way the roster is set up. When I broke this down at the beginning of the year, I saw a solid team that could compete for the second spot in the American League, depending on how Chicago developed. Well, who is who is psychic about the Chicago White Sox? In fact, I privately said the Chicago White Sox probably could win the division. And I'm going to even go as far as saying this. They were my World Series pick in a shortened season. If that holds up, boy, I look like a darn psychic who actually knows baseball unlike most people in this town. Anyways, this team, the way it was constructed, looked like a solid team. Good pitching, solid bullpen, not great. Karinchek has really picked up, and even Phil Maton, I mean, even though last night he gave up the game winner, he's been fairly reliable. I mean, surprisingly, he's taken a big step forward as a reliever. Um, it, Brad Hand has been solid. Uh, Nick Wickren's been solid. I mean, there are things to like about the team. Yes, the hitting. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. This lineup is not terrible. One through six is actually on paper a solid one through six that should score three to four runs a game. But poor management, I'm sorry, piss poor management and just lack of motivation of this team is killing it. And I'm going to start with Sandy Almar before I finish this show with Frankie Lindor because I have some choice words for that man. I said this all the way back in 2015 when people first said, you know, Sandy's going to be the successor because Sandy was up for, I believe, the Cubs job and didn't get it because I think Joe Madden became available at the. No, it was Rick Renneria. It was the Rick Renneria era. They were going to hire Sandy, and then they chose Renneria, who's now the manager of the White Sox, succeeding. Um, and everyone was so excited Sandy was staying with Tito, and they're like, he's the successor. And I'm like, Sandy's going to ruin his legacy. I don't know if he turned the job down, if he withdrew his name, if they just didn't pick him, but I don't want him to be the manager. For some reason, I just didn't want him to. And I go back to 1997. This is very important for you to remember when you talk about evaluating a manager. Game seven, the 1997 World Series, Jose Mesa's on the mound. I believe it was either, I think it was Charles Johnson that was up at the plate. And it's literally documented in the Dynasty That Never Was documentary on MLB Network. It's documented. Sandy has talked about this. He wanted inside fastball on Charles Johnson, knowing that Johnson probably wouldn't catch up to it. And if Mesa placed it correctly, it'd be strike three, two out. And the next batter is Craig Council, who we all know flies out to Manny Ramirez. So 
let's say hypothetically Sandy calls that and he's right. The Indians win the 1997 World Series. Jose Mesa shook him off. He wanted to throw that fastball on the outside part of the plate. Now, Sandy Almar that whole year was the man for the team. The Indians went as far as Sandy took them. I mean, I could make a case he was the 97 MVP. But Sandy, for some reason, didn't take the moment to walk out to the mound and confront Mesa. Mesa just kept shaking him off until Sandy just said, okay. He he basically said he pulled a bull Durham. Okay, throw what you want to throw. Come on, just bring it. Charles Johnson hits the base hit. Craig Council gets the sack fly because that runner goes to third on the Johnson hit. Tie game. Sandy should have known to have the balls to actually call Mesa out on it. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He refused to do it. And that's the thing I think that's really frustrating when you look back at the 1997. It's not even Mesa blew it. It's the fact Sandy didn't stop him. Which makes me wonder, what kind of a manager would he be? And now we're seeing with this team, and a team that is literally spiraling out of control, no one's having fun. No one's motivated. No one's trying. I'll call them all out. You have no heart right now. None of y'all do. None of y'all do. I don't see it on the field. All I see every time at the plate is a defeated look. You know you're already out. You don't even want to break out of your slump. You're just like, is the season over yet? I just want to go home. If that's the case, then forfeit all your games. Forfeit them. Get yourself better draft position. I mean, I, I mean, you're already in a tough spot because the draft position is, you know, your record from last year plus your record from this year. So you'll probably be in like the teens. But the, these four games against Detroit, if you forfeit them, you might prevent them from getting Kumar Rocker. And I've said this at least on four pods. Kumar Rocker is going to be a star. With my Scooball and Manning, the Tigers will have the best rotation in baseball by 2025. And they're close to clinching it because the Orioles have decided to win while the Tigers are winning. I mean, in fairness, they had a seven-game lead on the Orioles for the pick, but doesn't matter. So if you're not going to try, don't even show up. Don't even freaking show up. And... I think that's where my problem with this team is, is that they don't give a shit. They don't. They they just want to, you know, it, it, they want to just get it over with. And I don't have an answer for them. I mean, I have one, but it's not the, it's not the right answer. But I think at this point, you got to use everything. And Sandy, I will say this, from that 1997, see, we're going to correlate this all back to it. From that 1997 moment, Sandy didn't have the balls to challenge 
Jose Mesa. He doesn't have the balls to challenge this team. Sandy's a great guy. He's not a guy to get hot-tempered. And some people will say that's a great thing to have. But it's not. You see, what we need in a manager is someone who can read the room, who knows the team is giving up. I mean, Frankie Lindor's statements, which we will get to, that is alarming if you are a manager. Your team is literally quitting on you. Now, I've said in my years of doing broadcasting a lot of criticisms of Tito. This crap would never happen under Tito. Never, ever, ever. Because Tito knows the room to where, you know what, I can be, you know, the nice guy, the supportive guy. But he also knows I need to get real with y'all. Not like flying off the handles, Lou Pinella blow up. I'm talking about, look, guys, either you want to play or you don't want to play. If you don't want to play, come to me. I I'll pull you. Opt out. If, if Frankie Lindor doesn't want to play, opt out. Opt out. Right now, just do it. If players don't want to play, opt out. So I can call up kids who actually want the opportunity to be in this position. Maybe we can find out things about Nolan Jones, Bobby Bradley, and others that would never have dreamed to get this opportunity. Bradley kind of had it last year, but he really didn't get a fair shake. But now you have a situation where either just tell the guys to opt out or B, if they're not going to opt out, you need to make significant lineup changes. And that starts with the top of the order. I hate Lindor at Lindoff at leadoff. I hate him there. That is the worst spot statistically for Frankie Lindor to be. If he's a power hitter, have him at two. If he can drive in runs, have him at two. And instead of having a solo shot, you can have a two-run shot. It's not rocket science. And the way Carlos Santana is hitting, which this is costing him a lot of money. I'd have him lead off. If you're not going to swing the bat, Carlos, then take at least three pitches to start the game. Make the pitcher work. Make the pitcher work. If you're going to trust your eye and study your bat, then have him lead off. Maybe that might get him going. If he's making the pitcher work and he, maybe he finds a groove and maybe we find something there again that we used to have with Santana leading off. Then you have Lindor batting second because if Santana gets out, statistically, as we've said on this show, Frankie hits better with one out. He hits his best with one out. Put him in the statistically best case for him. Put him in a chance to succeed. And if he's got Santana on first or second or, you know, maybe even third, maybe Frankie has a shot to drive in the run or maybe drive in two runs. Then you would bat third, Jose Ramirez. And for me, I feel like it's sort of a simple move. Jose seems to be fitting wherever they put him, which is nice to know. He could do five. He could probably hit four. He can hit in the three, maybe even two, maybe even lead off. 
Jose just seems to be a solid piece that you know what you're getting out of. He's the only one that I know what I'm getting out of every single night. I mean, I don't even know what I'm getting out of Frankie every night. Batting fourth, I'd have Franmil Reyes. Put the big bopper at four. Just put him there. Best exit velocity. The only barrel percentage that's actually good on the team. The Indians have the second worst barrel percentage, which if you don't know what that is, it's exit velocity and launch angle, which if you're at a certain point, like at a certain percentage, you should be hitting extra base hits with those pitches that you're hitting. So the Indians have the second worst in that. I think it's partially because of lineup construction, and they've only made slight changes. Fifth is where it gets tricky. I'd put Cesar there simply because Cesar has been the best runners in scoring position hitter on the team. You could flip him and Jose and probably feel good about it. Um, Then sixth, I'm going to go out and say Josh Naylor. Now, Naylor hasn't played great, but he's adjusting. The American League's a little bit different, guys. I put him six because he hits the ball harder than Naquin does. When he's made hard contact, it's really good contact. And he's going to all fields. Naquin seems to be pulling. I put Naquin seventh, putting a little bit less pressure off him, allowing him probably to relax more at the plate, put the catcher at eight, and Delino DeShields at nine. That's the lineup. That is the lineup you roll with. It's enough radical changes to make things different. You need something that's different, not the same old thing every single day that just isn't working. That's not how you manage. At some point in a losing streak like this, you need to make a drastic change in the lineup if you're not hitting. This is the drastic, this is the drastic change. You have to make it. If your intent is to make the playoffs as the eighth seed and actually try to do this, you have four games against Detroit right now to figure out if you can get out of this rut. If you can't do it against Detroit, you might as well pack it in and just choke it away. You might as well. Then you got a couple games against Chicago. Now, let's say you make this change and, you know, Detroit tanks for Kumar Rocker, which they honestly just should clinch it right now and do that. They aren't, um, which I think is stupid because Kumar Rocker would put him in such a good spot. Um, But let's say they win three of four this weekend. Let's say they do that. They gain two games on the White Sox and Twins, depending on matchups. And now you come into that four-game series. You're hitting the ball better. You're feeling more confident. You're turning the corner. Pitching's doing enough. This lineup seems to be working. You've got some confidence going. Now you play Chicago. Maybe you might be able to take a game or two. Maybe you might be able to take the darn series. And then you end the season against Pittsburgh, who's the worst team in baseball. You should be able to sweep that the way they play. You do that, you could end the season on a nice little run that, oh, you know, everyone's going to say if they didn't go on that eight-game skid, they would have won the division. You're right. And that's all on Sandy. He didn't make the changes that were necessary. He said, you know, we. he said last week, we almost put Frankie in the leadoff spot a week earlier, and we just didn't pull the trigger. 
That shows me you aren't decisive, Sandy. You're not the manager. You've lost it. In my eyes, he's lost it. He's lost the successorship. You might as well look at other candidates. You might as well do it. I mean, what is the worst that can happen? I mean, seriously. I mean, you, you picked the wrong guy. You, you, you clearly have the wrong guy to succeed Tito. I, I just think it's time to reevaluate the situation at manager. And if you're going through a potential rebuild, Sandy is not the guy. He has shown it. He's not managing games well. He can't use a bullpen properly. He uses Karinchek in varying innings when he could have him in the eighth or ninth inning in clutch situations, and he's already used them. Sometimes you got to trust these other kids like Matone, like Wickren, who are kind of who have kind of earned it. Matone more than Wickren right now. I mean, if he doesn't, if he sticks to the fastball, he probably gets out of that inning. He threw a slider and it was on the outside part of the plate, kind of hung a little bit. It wasn't an easy pitch to hit, but it was Javi Baez. He's won an MVP for a reason. That's why you lost. Plain simple. And so that's where Sandy is really confusing me with all of his moves. He's not managing the bullpen well. He doesn't get a read on his starters when he has to yank them. I think he has too much trust in him at times, and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it's backfiring. He's got to be able to read when they're off, and he has to know when to yank them before it gets out of control because he's he's losing it too much. He's going with them too long at times, and it's costing him. I'm not even going to get into the trade of Naylor uh, for uh, the, the club trade for Naylor, Quantrill, and others. Because that's something you won't really figure out for another couple years as these kids come along. Um, I still believe Cal Quantrill was a great addition. He's been solid in that bullpen so far. Uh, Naylor, I think next year will hit better. I think it's just more of an adjustment period. And we're in a tough time right now where most players are not hitting well. Most of them aren't. So I'm not here to judge the uh club trade today and hedges is the same way he's got to get used to the pitchers and he isn't i will say the most neglectful thing that i'm seeing is the roberto perez situation how is he not on the il he's clearly more hurt than you lead on and i'd shut him down and here's a perfect chance for you to bring up a Nolan Jones, a Bobby Bradley, a Daniel Johnson, someone who's young, who could use the moments in the bigs and could provide a spark to the lineup. And you're not pulling the trigger on it. I don't care if Sandy Leone is hot garbage. I don't care if Hedges doesn't know the pitchers yet. If Perez can't play every day like you're paying him to do, put him on the IL so when he is off of it, he can play every day. And you're not putting Sandy Leone in every other game and wasting at-bats with him in clutch situations. I'd rather Perez be the waste to have a wasteful at-bat than Leone because you know it's preventable in the long term if you just let Perez go on the IL. Do it today. Call up Nolan Jones. Have him play left field. What is the worst that's going to happen? What's the worst? 
or even better, even better, give Cesar a day off or two and let Jose go to second. Or even Carlos Santana, he used to play left, put him back there. Why not? We're at the point where these are moves that need to at least be entertained if you want to make the playoffs. But then again, I look at the leader on this team. And quite honestly, if the leader doesn't want to make the playoffs, why should the rest of the team? Y'all really want to pay Frankie Lindor. <laughs> Y'all are gullible fools. That, I, I'm sorry. I love Frankie the player, but he ain't a leader. He's Robin. He proved it in his statement, ladies and gentlemen. If you think he's worth $400 million, I'm sorry. He just proved it to me the other night that he is not worth the money. From Matt Lodi, who does great work, by the way, um, he said, Francisco Lindor on the pressure mounting of a seven-game winning uh, losing streak. Guys and coaches, including myself, are coming to the field every single day. We're doing everything the right way. If we're not in the postseason, at least, we gave it our best. That's a loser statement. That's a loser statement. Get out. Get out. I'd bench him for that. I'd bench him for that. That's a that's a white flag. That's a white. You don't want that crap on your team. I don't want that crap on my team. $400 million for a guy who admits defeat. Wow. And you really think he's tried to make extension talks? No. The dude wants out. He's wanted out, and he finally found his moment to say he wants out. Everything before has been a PR stunt. You guys talk about this with the Browns and Johnny Manziel and all of the BS he used to say in the PR stuff. And you're like, oh, it's PR 101. This is PR 101. Y'all are too blind to see it. He's wanted out since day one. He, he hasn't entertained a contract extension. You know it. You know he hasn't. The fact that you actually believe it is delusional. Now, granted, a lot of you are younger, so you don't remember the CC era where the Indians made offers and CC said no. He didn't entertain them. And the Indians were left with no choice. CC was going to test the market. Although he says, I would have thought of staying in Cleveland. Once he tests the market, it's so far out of his anyone's range. I mean, the money he got was freaking ridiculous. Ten years? And what he got? He wasn't even worth it at the end. And Frankie won't be worth it at the end. I mean, Jim told me the same thing. We made offers. Now, granted, they could have added one more year, but had they have added one more year, they wouldn't have been able to really afford the team they had that almost went to the World Series. They wouldn't have been able to do anything. And Tommy was declining by then. Tommy was in decline. He wasn't worth his contract at the end. Say, I mean, you could argue potential. I mean, Manny was younger and you knew he was starting to hit his stride, but even he had injuries. And for the first couple of years, Red Sox fans loved him, but he couldn't win and they wanted him out. 
They almost shipped him for A-Rod. They almost traded him for A-Rod. Think about that. They were ready to quit. But you guys really think he wants to stay. That statement saying, well, if we made the playoffs, we at least hear best. No, you're not. No, you're not, Frankie. You had a good game that day, and you could say you did your best that day. What'd you do the next day? 0 for 4, struck out with a runner in scoring position. <coughs> That's Frankie Lindor for you. Choker. Choke artist. Yeah, he tied the game. Did he win the game? No, he didn't. He choked. He can tie a game. He can't win you a game. He's Robin, not Batman. And here's my message to Frankie. If you want $400 million, play well over the next week. Carry this team on your gosh darn shoulders. And then play well in the wild card round. Do what everyone thinks you can do. Show them why people picked you to be the MVP. Not the most disappointing player. No, the most valuable player. Because you've been nothing more than a disappointment this whole year. To think on my fantasy team, I kept you over Fernando Tatis Jr. Boy, egg on my face. At least I got other young guys that I'm going to clearly cut you with next year. Like Luis Robert, a young five-tool guy who's exciting. And that's just one of them. I got plenty. And I'm not even a bitter, fancy baseball fan because I don't even play for money. I just play for fun. And I've been in this league for five years trying to take a guy down that has the three best fancy players in baseball. And it freaking sucks. And I'm just trying to take him down once and retire. It's almost impossible. Um, But... To Frankie, look, you say that, you're the freaking leader of this team. Everything Michael Brantley, Jason Kipnis, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, all these men have taught you to be a leader. You just pissed on it with that statement. You're, you've lost. You've defeated. You're a loser. Uh, granted, you can go to another team and have that mentality. If you have like a Mookie Betts in front of you or a Pete Alonzo or an Aaron judge protecting you from the scrutiny, you can get away with that, that loser mentality, Frankie, that pouting. But you are so emotional and so in your own head, you'll never be the guy. You'll never be the MVP. I'll eat those words one day probably, but you won't be the MVP. You aren't the guy. You'll never be Albert Bell. You'll never be Jim Tomey. You'll never be Manny Ramirez. You'll never be any of them. Dare I say you're not even Travis Hafner at his peak. You're not even any of them. You're great, but you're not them. And if this is it for Frankie Lindor in an Indian's uniform, how poetic. He just quit. He just quit. You can say what you want that's like, oh, well, you know, writing on the wall, all that stuff. I've seen players who know they're on their way out still give their all. Frankie doesn't. He doesn't care. He just wants out. At the end of the day, you got to have some pride in your work. If you don't have pride in your work, you can get the hell out. 
And Frankie still is here. He's still in a playoff race. If he's about to allow a playoff collapse like this, I wouldn't give him $200 million in that free agency class. I'll give Trevor Story the money. I'll give Xander Bogart some my hell. I'll give Andrelton Simmons the money. I'll give Javi Baez the money. I ain't giving Frankie Lindor crap. Give him the bag. He ain't worth the bag. He's got a bunch of luggage that comes with him. He's a diva. And I'm sorry to say that, but he is. And Cleveland has been desperately looking for a star to turn to since LeBron left that they've turned to Frankie Lindor because the Browns suck and they just keep going back for more like alcohol. There's no star to really root for for the Browns, so they turn to Frankie, and they don't want to lose Frankie because it brings eternal sadness to them, knowing the Cavs suck, the Indians will be rebuilding, but there'll be a new Frankie, I bet, one day very soon. Maybe Nolan Jones. Who knows? Could be Valera. Could be Bo Naylor. Could be Daniel Espino. Could be Tyler Freeman. There are a bunch of exciting guys. Could be Brain Rocchio. But everyone doesn't understand that the reason why you hold on to Frankie is because you don't want the sadness. It's the way baseball is. I've been, I've been a fan of this game for 25 years. It's the way it is. My heart was broken when Albert Bell left for the White Sox because he just wanted the most money. He turned down a team that was dominating the AL Central. No one was catching him for mediocrity and more money with the White Sox. How many rings did Albert win? Zero. He had some great seasons. He's never a champion, and that's the reason why. He took the most money. He didn't have the winning attitude. Now, it's kind of different with Frankie because it's not like he just wants the most money. It's the fact he just gave up on this. He just wants out. And I honestly would say it'll suck for a minute, but I think the locker room could be much better without Frankie Lindor. Just the pressure to win and that he puts on himself, I think is putting the whole team down. Just my theory. Guys, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. I hope they can. If they don't, it's one of the biggest collapses in baseball history. And that will be Frankie Lindor's legacy, that people will remember him, that he quit. He quit. He was in first place in the division, and first sign of failure, he quit. That will be your legacy, Frankie. Do you really want to live with that? You can have all the money in the world, but if you never get a ring and you're remembered for this, that's it. That's your legacy. That may prevent you from getting to the Hall of Fame one day because people remember that crap. And people are starting to see you can't hit with runners in scoring position. It's a damn shame, Frankie. It really is. But the truth is, you weren't supposed to be this when you came up. You're supposed to be a great defensive shortstop, a, gr a good hitter, 
potential 300 hitter, and maybe 20 homers and 20 steals a year. You weren't supposed to be a 30, 40 homer guy. You've turned yourself into that great, but you rely on that now. Maybe it's time to find the old Frankie, the one who originally came up. That kid was special. Not the one we're looking at now. You have about 10 days to figure that out, Frankie. I hope you do, because honestly, for your sake, I want you to be as successful as anything because of the success that you've brought the Cleveland Indians. I hope you find that Frankie Lindor, because that kid was special, and I miss him. That kid had fun, even if he was 0 for 4. Now when you're 0 for 4, you're in your own head. You need to find that kid. You need to wake up. Wake up, Frankie. Do you want $400 million? Make your money, kid. Shut me up. I love to be shut up. Shut me up. And to the entire team, shut me up. I think you can do it deep down. But the product on the field, you're not having fun. You're not motivated. You don't care. Shut me up. You got a great opportunity against Detroit to do that. Shane Bieber, I think, is bringing it. But other than that, rest of y'all. Show up. I'll welcome you with open arms. I'm not giving up. I'm the, I'm the optimist where, you know, we could get hot down the stretch. We got a couple of series where we can get hot, figure it out, and guess what? We'll face whoever it is in that first round. We'll be hot, and we'll take them down in two games. Then we move on to the next round. We're still feeling it. Guess what? We probably got Shane Bieber starting that first game then. All of a sudden, wham, bam, thank you, man. We take the first game in a five-game series. You can get hot right now and maybe make a stunning run against all odds like 2016. Never know. It's baseball. That's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. And it's the way it's going to be. You got 10 days to figure this crap out. I'm looking at Sandy. I'm looking at Frankie. I'm looking at everybody in that dugout. I'm I'm calling you out. Have fun. I would die to be in your shoes. Love what you do. And if you fail, you know what? Have fun doing it. Show me you actually care. Don't pout. Try to have fun. It's amazing when you have fun in baseball, what it can do. Because when you try too hard, you fail. But when you have fun and you're loose and you're having a good time out there, it's amazing how much slower the game comes to you. You should try it in Detroit. See what happens. I believe in you deep down. You can't do it. You just got to believe it yourself. All right, guys, that's the end of the show. Um, next show, I have no idea when that's going to be. Probably might talk two minutes of Browns and more Indians and, you know, may have a guest, may not have a guest. We'll see. Until next time, I am your host, Alex Hale, and guess what? I am out.